Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new podcast, Physics of the Mystics, where we embark on an exhilarating journey that stimulates the mind and opens new windows of wisdom, inspiration, and light. In this very, very thought-provoking podcast, we explore the captivating intersection of science and Kabbalah, seamlessly blending, synthesizing, and fusing these two realms together. It's a high order, but we do, we do come through. We do accomplish what I'm telling you about. Join us as we delve into the profound connections between science and mysticism, revealing how scientific concepts are not only an extension, but also a direct outgrowth and product of mystical wisdom. In this podcast, Physics of the Mystics, Kabbalah acts as the blueprint, while science becomes the magnificent building that emerges from it. Prepare to be amazed as we demonstrate and discuss how mystical concepts laid the foundation for scientific exploration and scientific discovery as we know it today. Discover how science and quantum physics validate, they confirm, they corroborate the ancient truths found within Kabbalah to those people who need it. In today's discoveries, we see more and more that the age-old wisdom was so true already thousands of years ago. As we unravel the mysteries of the universe, we aim to ignite a sense of wonder, curiosity, and awe within your own mind. Get ready for a mind-expanding journey where we unlock the secrets of the cosmos, inviting you to explore the profound connections between science and mysticism in a truly enlightening and captivating manner. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, welcome to the podcast Physics of the Mystics, where science and Kabbalah converge to inspire inform and transform your understanding of the world around us. My name is Rabbi Shlomo Ezagui, and I'm a rabbi here in South Florida. For the last 36 years, I've authored a book that includes all 14 volumes of Maimonides' Magnum Opus Mishneh Torah. All those 14 volumes, there is a snippet of that wisdom in my book, Maimonides' Wisdom for the 21st Century. Then I also authored another book. It's called The Spiritual Soul Book, over 800 pages and 300 chapters. And it covers and it touches upon everything imaginable spiritual. Dreams, life, soul, meaning, psychology, emotion, anything you can imagine. Holidays, meaning, purpose. All in that book, A Spiritual Soul Book. And I upload about two or three chapters from that book every single week on the blog Times of Israel. If you go to the website, timesofisrael.com, they got a blog page and you look for my name and you will find the incredible wisdom of a spiritual soul book that I upload every single week over there. Okay, let's get to today's podcast. But before we get to today's podcast, let me also mention I got an email address and I appreciate so much when people send me their emails. My email address is physicsofthemystics at gmail.com. Physicsofthemystics at gmail.com. This past week, I responded to all the emails I received in the last couple of weeks. Israel, the United States, Finland, United Kingdom, beautiful, nice emails. Some of them were very, very long suggestions. Some of them were um, people's ideas, how quantum physics and science um, blend and they merge and they synergize with age-old wisdom of the Torah and Kabbalah. And that's what this podcast is really all about. So listen, stay uh, tuned 
to the incredible information we have over here. If you like it or if you don't like it, please send me your feedback to physicsofthemystics at gmail.com. The last couple of weeks, we spoke about a whole number of things that today I'd like to um, go over and, 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 and jump a little deeper into those ideas. The last couple of weeks, we talked about pantheism, and we talked about panpsychism, we talked about monism, and we talked about how the world in truth, the universe in truth, down at the most essential fundamental levels is really consciousness. There is consciousness, there is logic, and some of it is alive, and some of it is the product of God, who is the source of consciousness behind everything that exists in this world. It depends if you're talking about a human being or if you're talking about the four elements that have consciousness, but not on the degree that human beings or animals or angels, or even the planets have consciousness in them. And they it, and it is very alive and aware of itself, of its own existence. That's what Maimonides says. So there is consciousness in everything because behind everything here in this world, there is God. And as we discussed some podcast um, ago, that the way God created the world, since the whole world is filled of him, there is nothing else in the universe but him as we say in our prayers. So where does the world fit into that scheme? The way the world fills into that scheme is that God, so to say, withdrew a little bit of himself. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that and try to make a little bit more sense of all this in today's podcast. But just hold on with me and let's go along for the ride. So God fills the entire space of this entire universe and much more. What happened was that God withdrew a little space within himself. And in this withdrawal of himself, there was a teeny little bit of himself that was left behind in the empty space, which was a little impression of the essence of his great strength. And that may be the dark energy and the dark matter that scientists um, suggest is 96% of the energy that is in this universe. Those tremendous forces that are um, making the universe expand and holding it together both at the same time, dark matter and dark energy, that may be an expression of the impression that was left behind of godliness when he withdrew from the space in which the universe was created. Okay, if you didn't get that, you're going to have to Go back and listen to those words again a second time. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to uh, um, dwell on that right now. But we'll talk about this another time. You know, when um, we'll discuss dark matter and dark energy, and how scientists believe that that represents the overwhelming majority of energy that exists in this universe. My theory is that that's an expression of the uh, 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 essential so to say, expression of God that is left behind after God withdrew himself in order to make a space in which the universe would be created. Okay, so that's the way it's explained. God withdrew himself, but of course he's always everywhere. There's no place where there isn't even God because God is infinite. He fills up everywhere. 
and nothing could exist if he is not there since everything is dependent on him. So it's not possible that there should ever be a space without him in it. So when God withdrew himself in order to make a space in which the world and the universe would be created, this spherical space, God then shined a little bit of some of his light in it. And it all started out with, um, you may call a singularity, as the Ramban, Nachmanides, explains things. It may, it may have been some kind of, of a singular expression of himself, but it was compacted with everything from which the world and the universe would grow out of, almost like the creation of a human being that starts out as a singularity. And then it develops in the mother's womb for nine months, and from there becomes a human being. But it's all there in the seed. And the same thing is also when God created the world, there was an expression of himself. And from that expression of himself became the universe that we are living in right now. But what I wanted to talk about today was going back to what we discussed the last couple of weeks. So the last couple of weeks, last week, for example, I was talking about um, the two different ways to look at prayer, that there is a deeper way to look at prayer a more refined and a more elevated way to look at prayer. And there, there is an experience where day is extended. Day is extended beyond its own limitations and boundary. And we can also experience a day before the particle expresses itself by its own boundaries. It is possible to experience the particle even before you reach it by reaching to a deeper level of, of, of the identity of the universe, then you can tap into the wave, so to say, which is extended even beyond the boundaries of the particle. I, I hope you're following along with me. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Okay. In this universe, there's a whole bunch of phases of matter, Right. There's um, generally, we describe it as three phases of matter, but really there's four, maybe even there's five phases of matter. And it's interesting how in Judaism, the number three, four, and five is very significant in representing creation. I We touched about this on this in the past podcasts, um, how there are four spiritual worlds, three that are more physical one that represents the source from which the three is created. And then there is the essence, which is above even beyond the four. So really, there are three physical expressions. And then there is the spiritual source. And then there is the essence, which gives life and imbues all those other different levels. So three is right, and four is right, and five is right. And that's the way it is with phases of matter. In phases of matter, we say usually that there's a solid, a liquid, and a gas. What is the general difference between a solid, a liquid, and a gas? Now, for, for the fourth level, of course, there's plasma. For the fifth, fifth level, there is the Bose-Einstein condensate, right? Okay. But generally speaking, we are familiar with the three phases of matter, which is solid, liquid, and gas. What's the general difference between a solid, liquid, and gas? Here, let me share with you two very fundamental, so to say, descriptions or reasons for the difference. Now, they're both true. They're both descriptions and reasons. 
as you increase the energy or as the energy increases, the phases change to being less solid. They become less dense and they become more pliable. So as you apply more heat to a solid, let's take ice. It turns into liquid. And then if you if you increase the energy, what will it turn into? And you add more and you add more heat, what's it going to turn into? It's going to turn into gas. Right? So the and, and then and, and that's how it continues, right? For example, in the core of the sun, there is so much heat over there that we say that the state of matter over there is more of a plasma. Right, and so, and then um, there, there was, as I said, the Bose-Einstein condensate, which was just recently, I believe, not too long ago, not too many years ago, was demonstrated um, to, to be another um, possible phase in the different phases of matter. But what do we got over here? As the energy increases, they become less solid. Now, within this physical framework of our existence, we can only go as far as, depending on how good your equipment is, we can only go as far from the solid, which you could knock on it, to a gas. Or if you are in an environment where there's enough heat, you may reach the level of a plasma. But the idea is a movement from solid to less solidity, to less of something that you can touch, and even less of something that you can see. All that is a result of greater energy. So now, take that even further. If there's less solidity, and if there's less mass, and there's more energy, you start going into the realm of the quantum realm. You start going into even further than that, and that's the essence, and that is godliness himself. But that's only if you're moving in the way of spirituality and you're moving in the way of real energy. Energy as it's defined by the words of truth, which of course is our Torah and the books of Kabbalah. So let me back up in the other way. So we were talking about... In the last podcast, we were talking about um, the manna from heaven, for example. The manna from heaven, which the Jewish people experienced and ate when they were in the wilderness. It tasted whatever they wanted it to taste like. How do the books explain this, what's called lechem abirim, ochal ish? The food of the angels. There's a lot of interpretations and commentary on what the word abirim means, but it means strong, it means angelic. Rashi says that, okay? And that's from the Talmud. The Talmud says that what is lechem abirim? What is the food of abirim that the people ate when they were in the wilderness? So the Talmud says, lechem shemalache hashores oichlim. It's the food that the angels um, uh, um, uh, eat. Now, angels are spiritual. These are spirits. What kind of food can the spirits be eating? They're not eating anything that's tangible, that's solid, that we can touch or that we can we can't see angels with machines. 
and we can't either see the food that they eat, which is compatible with their bodies and their identity. So the nourishment that they depend on or that they grow on is a nourishment and a food which is spiritual. And it's from that spiritual food, it's from that state, the Kabbalists, they tell us, long before they recognized in chemistry that there are different states of solid and liquid and gas and plasma, and just recently the Bose-Einstein condensate, this is long before these things were even recognized in those terms. They were talking about on the blueprint level. They saw things on a very spiritual level. And the Kabbalists and the great sages explained that there is this concept that from something that is high energy, that is very, very to the other extreme of being anything of mass, rest mass, moving mass, whatever kind of mass you want to talk about, it's way beyond that. But it's from those levels of something that is energy, however energy is defined, the potential for work, the potential for something to happen. It is from that energy that there goes through a filtering process or some kind of a process where it turns into a more refined energy. From that refined energy, it becomes a spiritual, so to say, foundation for something physical. Then it becomes physical, and then it goes through a different process in which it finally ends up becoming the food that fell to the ground from heaven for the Jewish people to enjoy when they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And because it was such a direct result from something spiritual, it had the quality of spirituality and, so to say, the possibility, the indeterminate potential of the quantum wave very prominent in it and therefore whatever the observer whatever the person was experiencing this food had in his mind it would taste like it so here you had a convergence of living in this world being very physical but being offered a possibility to be able to experience something that was both physical. So there was a certain kind of collapse of the wave and a certain kind of a particle identity to it. And yet at the same time, depending on the approach, depending on the person who was experiencing, they were able to taste whatever they wanted out of it. So that's an amazing concept, ladies and gentlemen. You grasp what I'm saying. Come on. I don't hear nobody. Send me your emails to physicsofthemystics at gmail.com and tell me if you appreciate and understand what I'm talking about. We're talking about over here exactly the idea and the concepts of the different phases, but taking it further, taking it further into the realm of spirituality or from spirituality, taking it as an energy that is metaphysical. But this is not a strange concept because... These ideas, we relate to it, and it's very accepting in the, in, in the field of science that the more energy you put on something, the less solid it is, the more pliable it becomes, the less you can see it, and the more, so to say, spiritual it is. Air, in a certain way, is a lot more vapor, is a lot gas, is a lot more, so to say, spiritual than um, something solid like metal, like steel like ice, 
And yet, it's precisely that energy that starts out from the quantum field that finally develops itself into the liquid and into the solid that becomes on the on 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 on, on the uh, on the standard elements on, on the table of standard of um, elements. What I'm talking about over here on today's podcast, ladies and gentlemen, is trying to impress upon the listeners of this podcast that the realization, the discovery of quantum mechanics and quantum physics, not only is it in concept, the idea that Kabbalah and mysticism tells us, and therefore puts God so easily um, to be appreciated, but it's even down in the knickknack and in the numbers expressing exactly what Kabbalah and mysticism tells us. When, 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 when they tell us that there are 26 constants that govern the entire universe, in other words, there are 26 necessary kind of mathematical equations that are expressed in, 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 in the energy of the world that make up what the universe is about, it's not random that there are t- that they've discovered these 26 truths that are expressed in the energy of the universe. God himself that created the world, its numerical value is number 26. The yud and the hay, the vav and the hay, the yud is 10, the hay is 5, 10 and 5 is 15, the vav is another 6, 15 and 6 is 21. And then the last hey is another 5. That's 26. God's name, the essence from which that original seed, from which the entire world is and the universe is created, is represented in number 26. So it's no wonder that there are 26 constants that govern this, this, this universe. When we hear that there are 24 quantum fields to describe the reality of this world, it's no wonder, it's not a surprise that they discovered these 24 quantum fields, this way of describing the universe. That's only that's all that they're doing because the mass of the universe is a result of the energy that is in this universe. The energy gives rise to the mass. The mass is an expression of the energy. They're interchangeable with each other. So when the scientists tell us that there are 24 quantum fields, 24 different ways to express what comes out of the energy of this universe in the number 24, and then we hear that there are 24 books of the Torah. In other words, the Torah, which God tells us, is he looked into the Torah, and it is out of the Torah, out of the blueprint of the Torah, that the universe is created. So when you hear that there are 24 quantum fields, is there any wonder that the number coincides with the 24 books of the Torah? No big wonder. And actually, when you hear this, this is an excitement on the part of those who are students of this discipline and wisdom, which is Kabbalah and mysticism. There is an excitement that scientists have now every single reason to... uh, to, to, to be excited about the tradition of mysticism and Kabbalah. When we hear that there are f- three basic levels in quantum energy, 
or that there are four forces in quantum mechanics and in quantum, uh, 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 in the standard model of, of, of particle physics, right? There are four basic forces. There's the electromagnetic force, there's gravity, there's the strong force, there's the weak force. And then you hear that in our, in our Torah, the number three and four, I just told you before how that's very significant in the four worlds and as they express themselves in the name of God, which starts with a Yud, and then, then there's the Hei Vav Hei, which represents the present state of existence. The present state of existence is expressed in the number in the in the three letters, the three last letters of God's name, but the whole name is four. So there's a total of four, which breaks that also into three. What are we saying over here? What we're saying over here is that when you hear this information that talks about quantum. Uh, um, we talked about in the last couple of, of, of classes, we talked about quantum superposition, or we talked about this quantum entanglement issue where two things respond at the same moment faster than the speed of light. And they're wondering, how does that happen? Well, the way it happens is because underlying everything, there is the one identity of godliness himself. When things collapse and they turn into a a particle, then communicating from one particle to the other has a certain time, has a certain identity, has a certain limitation to it. Within the collapse mode of the universe, then there is a limit to the speed of light and how fast things can communicate from one thing to the other. But when we're talking about at a deeper, more essential fundamental level, which is the quantum world, where there is this wave-like kind of understanding, this indeterminacy, where there is, on the one hand, these packages of energy, and yet we don't know, and it's and and there is this there is this probability and chance, and it's not as uh, uh, um, uh, predictable as it is on the particle level. This is. The explanation to what we said last week, that it is possible on the one hand, there's a very strict time for when we're supposed to be praying. There's a very strict way in which God created the world, in which he started it off with night, and then it continued into the next day. But you know, the night that started off the creation of this natural world had also a predecessor to it, which is the energy that led to the first night. And so on a deeper level, it is possible to reach and to access and to connect beyond the limitations of what comes across as the solid or even the liquid of two states of matter. What this means to you and me, ladies and gentlemen, is this deepens our faith and our trust in the God that is around us all the time. Because the truth of the matter is, my skin, my body, your skin, your body, it's all God. It's all an expression of God at different levels. It's not that God is up in the sky, and it's not that God even has to imbue 
the world or my body. The truth of the matter is that my body is God. Now, there are different, so to say, uh, levels of that expression where it is more easier accessible to connect with God. And sometimes it takes a harder effort to reach deeper uh, experiences. So, for example, when it comes to the day of Yom Kippur, when it comes to the day of Yom Kippur, so within the confines of the calendar, God is shining more and offering an opportunity than any other day of the year. When it comes to the holiday of Shavuos, which we're about to observe in a couple of days, so it becomes easier to connect to this wisdom, to this brilliance, and to the expression of God's mind on this holiday of Shavuos, it becomes more easily available. As a matter of fact, it's written in a certain way, the holiday of Shavuos gives us an opportunity to connect with God, similar to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That's amazing, because Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are days that the prophet described as being days that God is close to us that we can have access to him much easier than any other time of the year. Who doesn't know how special the day of Yom Kippur is when we are able to uh, uh, um, attain forgiveness? We are able to connect to the past misdeeds and clean them up even when we're living at at, at a spot on the calendar which is already removed from that past. But through the special connection with God on the day of Yom Kippur, who goes beyond the limitations of now, yesterday, and tomorrow. We are able to connect with the yesterday to turn it around and clean it up so that it doesn't, in any negative way, hurt our now. So today's Physics of the Mystics is going over the last couple of podcasts and trying to underscore the tremendous, tremendous, so to say, um, uh, uh, um, window of wisdom that opens before us through the discoveries of modern-day scientists. These ideas that modern-day scientists are grappling with, which have their answers in mysticism, these ideas that modern-day scientists are discovering, they should strengthen and deepen our appreciation for the ideas that the Torah is telling us. When the Torah tells us that you can change your past, that you can somehow connect with your past, when the Torah is telling us that we can extend the day into the night and we can already reach the next day even before we reach it, down at the level where the particles are not particles, but they are extended in wave-like identity, there you are able to experience things on a level which goes beyond where particles allow you and they constrict you not to reach or just to reach. So that's, I thought I would share with you today's um, idea for this week. And as I started out saying at the beginning of today's podcast, I would so much appreciate your feedback 
And um, like I said, whether it's compliments or criticism or suggestions, whatever it is, a connection with the people who are listening to this podcast is so, so much appreciated. My email address, again, is physicsofthemystics at gmail.com. And tell me if you would like me to expand further on some of the ideas that I talked about um, or any specific suggestions that you'd like to hear me talk more about. But I am fascinated how through this entire new discovery of quantum mechanics in particular, but the truth is, as we discussed already in past podcasts, the many concepts and ideas, the discovery of how the cell works is so mind-blowing that this in itself is a, a, a indication to a, a, a incredible God to have put together this phenomenal machinery that exists in every single cell, in every single molecule, in every single atom. Down to the most basic level, there is so much harmony and there's so much complications, and yet they're orchestrated and work in such a synthesized, beautiful way. This realization only deepens our appreciation for the God who created everything and for the God who is in everything and for the God who before whom the possibilities to do anything is at every single moment. So ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's um, podcast. And until next time, have a Chag Sameach, a good Yom Tif, and don't forget to celebrate on Friday and Saturday, the second of three major holidays, the holiday that celebrates the choice that God made of the Jewish people, that they should be his representative in, um, in this world, a light unto the nations through the observance of our mitzvahs and through the study of our Torah. Chag Sameach.